Welcome back to the What's Next podcast. I am here with David Shandy as we continue on in our series on Proverbs uh, and looking at foolproofing our life. And we talked about uh, work and finances, but David, it's great to have you back on the podcast. It's good to be here. So I was supposed to point out first and foremost, we were talking about this in staff meeting today, I have always been teased as the longest speaking person, uh, but I have to say, uh, you took that yesterday. I thought you might be happy about it. But, but <laughs> I was I, a little concerned. I tried to no, trim quite no, a bit. But, uh, but yeah, I was going to say, at least we weren't there until 1230. Because there, <laughs> there, like you said, there are so many proverbs uh, in just that one book on finances and especially around the idea of a healthy work ethic, work life. Um, and so uh, don't worry, we're not going to take an hour and a half on this podcast either, but there is really a lot to unpack uh, in this in this book on this. Yeah, and I think there's probably three or four different topics. We talked about three of them and kind of the economic injustice we didn't tackle, but you could easily have done this in four messages for sure. Oh, yeah. And so when you started out yesterday, you, you uh, alluded to and then talked a little bit about uh, Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount, because we've been out on the hill and kind of yes. the same field speaking to the multitudes and that opportunity there. And uh, something I was thinking about when you talked about that, like you mentioned that Jesus in that sermon talked about finances. Um, and as churches, we tend to shy away from those conversations because people it's very personal to people. People don't like us talking about their personal financial life. It feels very intimate and uncomfortable. But when you look at the Sermon on the Mount and you look at many of the writings in the Gospels, Jesus actually talked a lot about finances and work as well. And so I think that's a really interesting place that you started was the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talking, and, and how like even Jesus had this great perspective on work ethic and work life and how that impacts uh, our finances. Um, So I really appreciate that you started there, very relatable and very knowledgeable saying like, we're going to talk about this from Proverbs, but Jesus talked about this too, so it's good for us to talk about this. Yeah, and I think there's a consistency throughout Scripture. You go back to creation where we get Adam and Eve being put in the garden to work, so that Mm -hmm. principle of work and rest starts there. The wisdom literature kind of reinforces it, and then we see Jesus as the creator and kind of the source of wisdom reinforcing it in his own teaching. And I just wanted to make sure we we understood that continuity uh, because Jesus talked a lot about practical daily stuff and the, the same theme that we see in Proverbs, Jesus kind of clearly reiterated and made it very practical for us that you know we have to have our priorities right yeah. uh, and the stuff of this world has to take second place to God otherwise we're kind of we're misaligned yeah that's so good and so you started off with the finances because uh, there's a little less to say about that and then you got into work ethic uh, and I, I think uh, that's good for us to no we did it the other way around sorry you did work and then got into finances yes uh, again starting with the whole idea though of pinnacle point of this is right living or righteousness yes. and we talk about that as being like jesus and taking it back to that whole aspect of jesus talked about how do we live a right life uh, often challenging wealthy people to give up their finances in demonstration of a healthy life and um so let's just work through uh the message that you talked about yesterday and just kind of unpack that what because we have an opportunity now to kind of unpack some of those yes. things uh in that way so in talking about working, you talked about work hard, don't be lazy. 
Um, probably one of my favorite proverbs to quote is not really a kind proverb, but one of my favorite ones to, to quote is, uh, look to the ant, you sluggard. Um, I like that alliteration. Well, not the alliteration, but the playing on those two creatures. <laughs> uh, but there, there is a, a healthy work ethic that comes from Proverbs. And, and I think we should unpack that a little bit. So do you want to share this a little bit about the key points from your part on work there? Sure. And again, there's so much that we can talk about on this, but, and I had maybe thought about talking about the ant and the slug. Um, my own experience with ants was getting home from church the previous week and seeing all these ants and flying ants all over my doorstep oh, no. and had to deal with them because I, I know they were working hard, but I didn't like what they were doing and where they were doing it. Um, my only experience with slugs is really when my dad always had slug pellets and he always used them because they were always eating something in the garden. So neither of them, in my experience, are kind of helpful. Um, but in the scriptures, it's clearly that, you know, God kind of lifts up ants as someone we should look to as they just go about their work. They don't need someone telling them, okay, do this now, go do this. They've got this sense of working. And then the sluggard or the person who is slow moving like a slug or a lazy person, depending on the translation, uh, is is not kind of lifted up very highly. And it, it's really this, you know, that great illustration or scriptures that comes up, I think at least a couple of times, you know, a little slumber, a little sleep, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty is going to come upon you. And it's really saying, look, think through the consequences of this. And it's really spelling that out. Uh, and later in the book of Proverbs, it talks about, you know, I went past uh, this field and everything was broken down. The fences are broken down. It's all overgrown. And it's fairly clear what you're supposed to take away that if you're not applying yourself and working hard, you're going to see the consequences. So mm -hmm. I think in scripture, uh, and I think we see it consistently, it's it's work hard. We are made to work with God's given us abilities. And if we don't work, Paul says, you know, we shouldn't expect to eat. So we have to kind of provide for ourselves. So, you know, my principles were work hard. Don't be lazy. Apply ourselves. And we can talk a bit about that more detail. But then also don't overwork. Mm -hmm. And I think it's key in Proverbs. It talks a lot about balance. Eat honey because it's good. Don't eat too much because it's going to make you sick. So work hard, but don't overwork because there's consequences to that too. Yeah, and so two things you've now brought up twice now in, this, in our conversation here, and you brought it up yesterday, is going back to that point of creation where God put Adam and Eve in the garden to work the garden. So often I hear Christians when they talk about Adam and Eve in the garden, they think that they just kind of like lounged around and sunbathed all the time. Uh, but that's, they were actually put there to work the garden. The curse was not that they would work. The curse was that the work was going to become hard that it would take more yes. to produce what was needed to sustain life. And so that's often my conversation when people come into like, well, what does the end times look like? Well, God, again, created our bodies to work. He created us to work. So there's going to be an element of work in the life here after, but it's pleasing. It's enjoyable. It has a purpose that is fulfilling. Um, and so what we experience on earth is hard, but it's a it's actually a demonstration and a promise of what's better yet to come. Yeah, and I think I personally have struggled with this at times and others too, because you know, we want our work to be enjoyable. We mm -hmm. want it to be rewarding. We don't want to be stuck in something that's really hard, and yet we also understand, well, God made us to work. Mm -hmm. We know there was a curse, you're gonna you're gonna have weeds, you're gonna have to deal with, there's gonna be toil and sweat. And so, you know, what's the right balance? Am I <laughs> 
in a job that's just under the curse or I'm in a job that's maybe for other reasons, maybe not the, the right fit for me or not the right time for me. But again, I think we've all experienced this. You know, physical work is hard. Yeah. And when you're in an office type job and like that can also be tiring, even though it's not physically tiring, mentally it can be very draining as well. So yeah. again, that principle of work, but also rest you know, was laid down for us at the beginning of creation. And it's something I think we need to keep in mind, especially in this day and age. We've been through COVID or we're still through COVID. It's been very stressful for many people and kind of burnout and those types of things kind of have come up quite often. Speaking of rest, uh, you told the story yesterday about you needing to take a break uh, and a, a staff person asking for you to, to paint. I will own I was that staff person who asked you to paint. <laughs> uh, but I do appreciate that you were honest and you had said, like, I just can't do it right now. I'm not in that space. This is a time of rest. Um, and I don't think a lot of people have the wherewithal to notice that, okay, I am approaching a critical point in my health, in my life, that if I don't rest, like you said yesterday, if you don't lay down, I'm going to lay you down, yeah. right? Talking about Psalm 23 yes. and the sheep that need to rest. And God tends to take us to that point. And if we don't recognize God's calling us into the cycle of work, then rest, and we're just work to work to work then rest is going to be forced upon us. No, absolutely. And I think I've experienced this in my life and we need to kind of recognize that. Um, and, you know, I've always had this rule since early on in my career to only work overtime when it's time limited, when there's an end date, because then I know there is a period where that overtime will end and then I can kind of get some rest and recuperate. But I, I don't like this open-ended because that's I think where we start to struggle and that's where we can run into issues because we just don't realize that we're gonna kind of wear down and I know I was on a podcast not a, uh, a webinar that I was watching on burnout and it was saying something that you know you can go I think it's like 12 weeks on adrenaline and then like a couple of weeks afterwards your body just says no and you just shut down so yeah. it like our bodies and i think people who know more about this have studied this there yeah. are physical limits where we can only take so much so i think we do really need to be aware of that and it may not just be work hours it could just be the stress and the pressures and just the emotional and mental burden and strain of work that mm -hmm. can wear us out it's not always just the hours but that's obviously a, often a key part yeah, I was actually listening to a, Burnout, a Brene Brown podcast on burnout that she did with these two sisters who are doctors who uh, researched and wrote on this. And they talked about it's actually this, uh, it, the body goes into a sick cycle. If you don't, if you go through one of those 12 week adrenaline ones, or even slightly shorter, but it's one of these adrenaline ones, your body it pushes off all the sickness. It, it fights anything that's coming into your system, yes. but then you get to the end. And then you're sick because yes. your body just cannot fight anything else off. Okay. Uh, fascinating, fascinating how our bodies are designed to yes. make us rest when <laughs> we don't want to stop. Absolutely. Um, so that that's great. So uh, a key the, the key points then here, if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, like they just talked a lot about a lot of things there, getting back to right living looks like a healthy work life that you are diligent when you are called to work, but you also find moments of rest. Um, and if you don't do that well, I've heard people, they try to mix it in, right? Like, well, I'll just kind of do a little bit here and then rest and do a little bit there, but they're not diligent in the work and they're not protective of the rest. Then you end up emotionally, mentally, and sometimes physically working just all the time because you're never actually giving yourself 
time to you actually use the word recreate right yes to create again to refresh not just through uh laying down but doing something that's enjoyable that's a part of your passion a part of your interest that's not work absolutely and i think we all have we're all different i'm very structured as an individual i like to have black and white clear kind of start work and finish work uh, and other people approach that differently but i think covid and a lot of people been working remotely working from home and that that clear distinction you used to have, you had a commute to work, you had a commute home, and that was my buffer to prepare for work and kind of prepare to re-enter the home, kind of gets blurred when you're working at home and you're just, you're always there. And for people with a work phone, and it's just, you can always be looking at, you can always be receiving those emails. So I've been trying to be very disciplined about, you know, I'm only looking at those work emails during my regular work hours. And even though I could quickly take one second to look at those emails, it just starts me thinking about work. So I think everyone's got to find what works for them for how they draw those boundaries. But it's very important that we, we recognize that and understand it and implement something that works for us. We have that work time, mm -hmm. but we also have that rest time. Yeah, Ashley and I, when we were uh, working from home, and the boys were not at school or daycare. This was in the last wave that we were just through. Um, we realized that the whole family was suffering because we we would get to 4.30, 5 o'clock, and we would leave our desks, but we were still working on our phones because we felt like, well, we had to make up for the hour here, the half hour there, that we had to take care of something for the kids. Yes. And we were burning ourselves out. We were dying from it. And so what we did is we said, okay, at 4.30, we're going for a family walk. We put the boys in the wagon, and we went for a walk. It was kind of that whole idea of the commute, right? Yes, like, this is our commute home. This is our commute home. <laughs> we're we're going to walk up the hill and walk back down. But that physical act helped us break off from the mental and emotional uh, focus that we are putting into work and refocus back on the kids. And it was so helpful for us to just, it, like you said, in the pandemic, and those who are working at home, to do something physical that makes that break between work and personal life uh, when you're still in the same setting. Yes, no, absolutely. So, yeah, so we're talking about, about work. We talked about working hard. We talked about taking time to uh, take a break and not over-apply yourself, um, apply yourself to your work. I know that there's a little bit of feedback there about uh, the right tools, the right, uh, the right software, um, I heard a lot of groaning when you, uh, I, I saw, well, let's put it in, in, into the timeline. You were making the comments and I'm sure you saw it too, cause you ended up making the comment. There's a lot of fear in the eyes of the wives and then, exactly. there was a, and then you clarified what you're talking about. And there was a lot of groaning from a lot of the men. Uh, so why don't you share what you're talking about? Uh, cause I do think it is a very important part that people miss. Um, sure. So I, so I think when we look at problems, there was three specific problems that just kind of spoke to me in the way things that we can learn. So one is about, you know, being competent, a competent worker. So developing and applying our skills, they're going to succeed and grow. So hard a work ethic is key, but you need the skills and abilities to do the job. Secondly, then just prioritize, prioritizing our work and making sure we're ordering our work in a way that makes the best sense. Otherwise, we kind of sat around waiting for something to happen when we could have organized our work a bit differently. But then, you know, there's this proverb that talks about you need a strong ox for a large harvest. And for most of us, that is of no relevance <laughs> to our daily work. But the principle is... How's your ox doing, David? <laughs> the principle, most of us are not in agriculture and we might have a vegetable garden, but I do not have an ox. 
but I think the principle is there that you use whatever resources you need to do your work. And so in that agrarian economy, having an ox that can pull things is a lot better than you trying to do it by hand. So, you know, the context I was trying to apply that in today is for most of us, it's about tools, it's about equipment, it's about software, it's about the things we need to do our job. And if you don't have that, if you're trying to do everything on a calculator, you don't have access to a spreadsheet or you don't have access to a computer, you're just using an old fashioned typewriter, like it's just, we've come a long way in technology, but you need to have the resources. So again, the whole context of this message was about work mm -hmm. and about having the right tools and the equipment for work. And I just envisioned a lot of potentially uh, spouses, <laughs> uh, female spouses coming up at the end and saying, well, my husband now thinks that you can kind of, and you know, so the context was work. It does apply to our hobbies and interests, having the right tools and equipments can help us, but I didn't want people to misunderstand the application, which was, this is the context of work. And I hadn't yet talked about, uh, you know, how we spend our money. So I just want to make sure everyone's very clear on that. And obviously some people were obviously starting to think in those lines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ashley made sure that I clearly heard your, uh, <laughs> admonition and correction at the end of that that's good uh, as i was looking to buy some new tools for some work around the house so yeah, just, do you really need that uh, so good. that that's good so we talked about work and so let's talk about finances and again uh you mentioned this and i'm going to mention this for myself neither one of us are financial planners neither one of us are financial experts in absolutely any sense of that word uh that way but there is still some very clear-cut, clean financial advice that is really good for anybody. So, like, I would, I have a financial planner. I'm not sure if you do, David, or not, but uh, I have somebody that I go to for uh, context, for help, for structuring my finances. Uh, but at the end of the day, I have to see my, oversee my day-to-day -day finances, and that's where these words of, of wisdom come in. How do I handle my day-to-day? finances so that I can achieve those long-term goals that I've talked about with somebody else. No, absolutely. So, I mean, we talked, you know, one of the points was about getting uh, plenty advice and Proverbs talks a lot about that, about, you know, plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. So in our financial situation, I've got one that I use more for retirement savings. We've got a different one who we set up, uh, you know, savings for the kids' education. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I've got an insurance broker that I use for this. So, Mine has been spread around, but it also means I'm able to kind of get different perspectives. But again, I think we also have to remember, you know, sometimes this stuff gets quite technical. Sometimes mm -hmm. there can be a lot of clauses and paperwork in some of these things. So, you know, even if you have one financial advisor, maybe you do want to get someone else or yep. someone else who can help you interpret it. But, you know, the principles that come out, and again, I think it's important to emphasize in Proverbs, there's a lot more on work than on finances. Uh, it's a lot harder to find those little nuggets, but I think those principles are there. So one is just about saving and the, you know, the individual that just spends everything they have, it just comes in and it goes straight out. And, you know, probably saying, you know, that is not very wise. And if you have something stored up and, you know, there's lots of reasons to save. And I talked really about just having that precautionary saving, having that extra money in the bank just for that unexpected. And then you're not suddenly struggling. Well, how am I going to replace this or where am I going to get the money for that? And again, you can save for specific goals. But I think having that reserve, because especially in the agrarian economy, when you these words written and you know, have a bad harvest or the rains don't come, you are very, 
vulnerable and we still are today in terms of agriculture. But for most of us, it's about we have our income coming in, we have our regular expenses, but there's always something that's going to come unexpected. And do we have a bit of reserve? Have we put away a bit of reserve to help us manage that? And I think that's a very important principle that we can all kind of take on board in a very practical way. And how much that would be is going to vary by family and circumstances. Uh, but I've tried to teach my kids for what that means for them and their situation as well as they start to kind of grow up into adulthood. Yeah, and I think it's such an important conversation because there was a study that came out. Now, this was pre-COVID, but I have to imagine it's gotten worse rather than better through COVID. That I think it was over 80% of Canadians live paycheck to paycheck and have, I think, a, I think the average Canadian, when you take all of the all the credit card debt and then all those who don't have credit card debt and you average out the median across all Canadians, the average Canadian is $13,000 in debt. Um so we are not good in our culture at saving. We spend before we have. And then that adds a lot of stress into our lives um, around where, how am I going to afford food or housing or um, anything like that. And you, you addressed that yesterday. Like, what's the good of owning a house that you can't, but you can't eat? Yes, exactly. And again, I didn't specifically talk about budgeting anyone who's been to any financial uh, planning sessions or talk to anyone that's usually the first thing they talk about that you need to have a budget you need to know where your money is going where your money is coming from and where it's going and you have a plan to spend that and as part of that plan you know we really need to think about you know do we do we have some savings and are we saving for retirement do we are we saving because we want to go on vacation do we have a big purchase or something we want to need or for education so thinking that through uh, and yes, we talked about debts and we might talk about that in a moment, but you know, there's times when we need to go into debt, but we still have to make sure that we have that money there. Um, but I think, you know, most of us face unexpected, uh, consequences and things that happen. And we had a, you know, a washer that broke unexpectedly. It was not part of the plan. It's only five years old. It wasn't expected to go, but you know, it's, that's not cheap and it's something we need to to replace so having some money in hand just makes that a lot easier than okay what are we going to do now for weeks or months when we don't have the resources to replace whatever's just broken for example yeah i know when you mentioned that your refrigerator ash and i are the same way we have an emergency fund that we have and when we bought our house we everything looked pretty good and then in three months we lo we lost our washer, our dryer, our fridge, and our dishwasher. All four appliances <laughs> died within two months. So within three months, we did you know we did our dishes by hand for a while, but within three months we knew we needed to replace everything. Uh, so like we had to really dip into our emergency fund because we were not expecting to lose four appliances yes. in two months. Um, but we were able to take it on because we had put some money aside for And it just issues. gives you that buffer. And then once you've tapped into it and used it, then you need to think Reply. about re re <laughs> replenishing yeah. that emergency fund for yeah. the, ready for the next one. And Absolutely. again, I talked to that about my kids when they got their iPhones. Look, this is a big, you know, this is several hundreds of dollars and it will take you months to replace that. And I know you're not going to survive months <laughs> without a phone. We, you need that. So making sure you have that mm -hmm. uh, and always keep that in place for what you need yeah and that's such good advice and again seek out advice from all kinds of people uh dave ramsey is a good resource uh, but even setting up like if you need a car putting money aside each month so that when it's time to buy a new car 
you already have the money there or some of the money there. You're not trying to figure it out in the last moment. And yeah, and I think also, especially for young people, I just know from my own kids, hearing them talk about uh, some of their friends, it just mm-hmm. there definitely seems like a lot of people in uh, among our young people who are just, you know, they're working part-time, but they're just spending everything they have. And mm-hmm. I think if a parent can help teach uh, their children, their own children, to start thinking about saving and having a budget and a plan, uh, I think start now and yeah. that will help them as they move into adulthood and start to take on bigger financial commitments. Yeah, that's really good. And so uh, talking about budgeting and debt, we, you also talked about borrowing and how that is uh, be cautious about borrowing and don't guarantee another's debt. Yes. Um, you shared a great story about that. <laughs> I looked over at Maureen a couple of times to see how she was taking it in. <laughs> I discussed that with her in events. She, oh, knew, good, it, she knew that was coming. It was with permission. <laughs> but uh, to that, if you didn't hear the story, um, the, the story itself is about how you guaranteed her debt uh, as you guys were getting ready to be married and she was your fiance. And so it was a risk that you were willing to take, yes. uh, but that there could have been some loss to that um and i was actually as you were sharing that i was reflecting one of my close friends he's actually my uh one of my closest friends and he's also my accountant um he did that he secured his fiance's debt and then as soon as it was paid off she cheated on him and left him and the the damage the damage that did uh was devastating for him right to be betrayed because there was a financial investment that demonstrated his personal commitment to the relationship no, exactly. And, you know, when I was looking at this proverb, I, and I'm not quite sure, I know it happens in the financial world, there's people who give, they guarantee other people's loans, and it's all financial organizations, our governments are doing it. Uh, I'm not quite sure how often it comes up in a personal example, but you've shared one, someone else shared an example after the service yesterday, so it certainly happened. And I think the caution here, the principle in Proverbs is, you know, and it speaks, and I said, don't do this. And typically in Proverbs, it's, it's just a wise thing. It's not, I never, um, but it speaks so strongly in Proverbs. Like if you're in this situation, do everything you can to get out of it. And so it, it really emphasizes that. And I think the point and the principle is when you guarantee someone's debt, when you agree to be the backstop for them, the lender of last resort, you're taking on all the risk. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was in a committed relationship. We were moving towards getting married, but there's still a risk. Not every uh, engagement moves through to marriage. Sometimes that for different reasons they break off. So there's always that risk. And once you've taken on that risk for someone, they don't have any incentive necessarily. They might, they might because they have a good work ethic or good you know, responsibility, but you've taken that risk from them. And I think that's what Proverbs is getting at. Don't take someone else's responsibility and leave them free. Make sure they're owning that responsibility and they've got the incentive to repay. And I think that's the key principle. If we're ever in that situation, think very carefully. If you want to give someone some money, if you want to loan them some money, that's fine. But when you're guaranteeing their debt and their debt repayment, I think you should think very carefully about that. Yeah, and a part of that comes down to just expectations, right? Like in the the feeling of owing somebody or being owed by something. And that actually moves in, in my mind, to your last point about generosity. Um, a lot of times people will ask me, like, can you loan me 20 bucks or can you loan me whatever? And usually, especially if it's in the $20 range, I'm now please don't come asking me this on Sunday. I don't have $20 for everybody. But usually if a friend comes and says, you know, I'm really in need, 
can you loan me $20? I'm usually like, here's $20. It's not a loan. If someday you want to pay me back, that's fine, but I'm not expecting anything in return, right? Uh, because it takes the uh, ownership out, uh, that takes the expectation of owing somebody out of the relationship. It's, it's yes. still a relationship, a friendship, and there's nothing, there's no, like, you still owe me $20. I, you know, I'm not going to talk to you until you give me back yes. my 20 bucks, yeah. right? So again, don't come up to me, everybody, on Sunday asking me for $20. I don't have that much money. Uh, remember, I'm a pastor here. Uh, but <laughs> there, there is this expectation of generosity, right? Like caring for your loved ones, for your friends, and sometimes giving out of their need rather than out of my expectation for return. Yeah, and there's another proverb. I didn't refer to it on, on Sunday, but you know, if, if someone comes and asks you and you have it, don't say, oh, come back tomorrow, I'll give it to you then. It's this expectation that if you are in a position to help, and we see this in Jesus' teaching, we see it in other New Testament writings, that if you have the resources and see someone in need, there's an expectation upon you to help. And in the Old Testament, there's a lot of things around, there was more formal arrangements there that you had requirements to lend, and even though there was a debt forgiveness period set in, mm -hmm. you couldn't say, well, you know, but that debt's going to get forgiven next year. I'm not going to lend because there's no way you're going to pay me back in time. There was an expectation you lend and yeah. you lend willingly. So you give and you give freely. So this sense of, again, it comes back to the, you know, the main point about, you know, where is money in our life? And if it's such an important thing to us and we're not willing to acknowledge God and we're not really willing to think about other people, that we're too tight-fisted and too tight-handed, God really speaks about, look, you are my agent here to be, able to help someone else and the proverb that i referenced talked about <clears throat> if you help the poor you are lending to the for the lord like you're being the lord's banker i love and, what you said that and We're you the are lord's kind bank. of <laughs> you are then being you know employed by him to help reach so he can help other people who have that need so i think yeah. it's that cooperation with god that we are here on earth to help each other and god works mm -hmm. through people to minister to other people he's not just sending them a 20 dollar bill through interact from heaven right? right it's it's coming through someone else yeah and i really appreciated when you brought it down to that yesterday this that the expectation the onus of how god distributes his wealth to his to the people on this earth is through his followers it's not around us, it's not over us, it's through us. That it's the wealth and the finances that he has given to us to be shared and distributed with others. Um, and to do so willingly and compassionately and lovingly. And that is right living. Yes, absolutely. And so that's so good. Well, thank you, David. Really appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, preaching yesterday. Great message. If you didn't hear the message, please go to our YouTube channel and watch it on there. It is just really powerful message, very practical message on work and finances. So thanks for joining us this week and we'll talk to you next week. Great. Thank you, Mike.